In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Hello and welcome back to Still Interested. This is our uh, TV and film reboot remake podcast. I am, as always, Ben McAllister. And I am Jackson Newsett. Thank you so much for joining us again for our third episode. Hey, stuck around through the Point Break saga. Of yeah. course, the original Point Break and the remake with our good friend Eli. Uh, oh boy, did we just watch a film, Jackson. We did. We just watched a film that is a very good film. Of course we're talking about Jurassic Park. Of the, course. The 1993 sci-fi action-adventure thriller. Yeah. With a fucking all-star cast, I mean, by the way. Well, would you say an all-star cast? I'd say like a, like a significant star cast, right? right. But like... Tell me when to stop. Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Laura Dern. Mm-hmm. Very good. You're going to say Jeff Goldblum and Samuel L. Jackson and then you'll stop because that's it. <laughs> okay, but that's like four of the five yeah, of course. main of characters course. in the of movie. Of course. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. The people I think it's, in this it's film. pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's very good. Let's, let's thump this melon, shall we? <laughs> to use, yeah, let's, let's, let's take this frog. Let's to do use, it. <laughs> to use both of our catchphrases yeah. at once. We got, <laughs> we, got, we got a quarter to keep up, otherwise the merch won't sell. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My first note is about the title card. Oh, of course, the font on it. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is where a lot of the, the the things in this film that like really grate on me come come in is just how dated it looks. Like the movies aren't made like this anymore. With like a title card that comes up and it's like fucking the font is like a custom font they had made for the film and it's like animal print and it just looks so shitty. Yeah. It just doesn't hold up. It's yeah. like. I, I, I guess, like, as soon as they started, as soon as computers became a thing, I think there was a while there where people were just kind of like, it means any anything to do with computers is very cool. <laughs> like, it, yeah. That's you know? true. Uh, so, yeah, to your first note about this Crocodile Dundee boy. I mean, this guy, like, he comes out, like, his name's Robert. We later learn he's from Kenya. And we've got this incredibly hype scene where it's raining and there's this cage coming in and there's all this steel and guys with guns. And it's very tense. You don't really know what's going on. But pretty apparent pretty quickly that they are loading a dinosaur, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, into part of the park. And then as they're loading this like huge steel cage and trying to get this dinosaur out... Uh, all of a sudden, this steel cage is launched back, and one of these poor grunts is just dragged in. Um, look, I don't know a lot about dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to put that out there. Okay. But how strong are they? Because this is a very sturdy steel cage, and like what I'm guessing is just a velociraptor just kind of like shrugs and knocks this huge cage around. Yeah. Like, does that seem kind of like weird to you there were a couple of things in this film I thought I was kind of like man these dinosaurs can do fucking anything yeah man I guess like dinosaurs never really had to encounter metal 
Like, it was <laughs> it didn't exist mm. at the time that they did. So, I mean, it probably came down to the meteorites, right? And yeah. Like, <laughs> well, well, yeah, exactly. So when the aliens came... Yeah, yeah, yeah. ...and yeah. they fought the dinosaurs, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so at one point, I believe this Crocodile Dundee boy, whose name is Robert, says, Joffrey, raise the gate, yeah. uh, which is incredibly 2017. It or is. maybe, like, 2015. Yeah. This guy dies whilst, whilst Robert from Kenya is screaming, Shoot her! Shoot her! Shoot her! There's this one thing as well, and I'll probably pick up pick up on later, but like this film has a really weird relationship with very intense close-ups. Like mm. maybe it was just the style then, and look, I'm not knocking Steven Spielberg, man. No, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but there are a lot of really weird close-up shots of like of like lips and like midsections of people, which isn't like say like pornographic or anything. You it's just you kind of watch it and you're just kind of like, I wonder why that shot. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, it's not particularly suspenseful and just. <laughs> Kind of weird to like be sh- cut, cutting between this dude being sucked into this dinosaur cage and just the lips of this guy being like shooter. I mean, the man is a master of cinema, so we yeah. shouldn't we shouldn't impugn his abilities behind the camera. Yeah, well, I mean, didn't he do Crystal Skull? <laughs> <laughs> he did do Crystal Skull, all the I'm, second worst Indiana Jones film. All I'm, all I'm saying. You know. Okay. Fair anyway. enough. So, uh, so basically, this guy dies. Uh, we later learn in the very next scene that there's a twenty million dollar lawsuit being brought against mm. Jurassic Park by the family of the guy who died, and this lawyer shows up to talk to Hammond, and uh, Hammond, the guy who owns the park, isn't even there to meet him. They they're in a mine. This highly iconic scene happens where they dig up this like mosquito trapped in amber. It's very iconic. You see the mosquito. You see the amber. Uh, the lawyer is explaining that. In order to pay out, the insurance companies want a thorough inspection of the park, and they want two experts to sign off on the park, and they want this guy, uh, Dr. Grant. But he's not going to come down. You won't get him out of Montana, because he's a digger. <laughs> we get a line from this, again, nameless uh, nameless foreign dude, who's just kind of like, he, he, the line literally is, Grant's like me, he's a digger. Very good. So we've got characterization for both of these characters with one of the most offbeat lines I've ever heard. Uh, my first note here about remakeability, Jackson. Uh, hating on lawyers and insurance companies. That's timeless. Very remakeable. Everyone hates lawyers. Yeah, right? Yeah. Fuck them. So moving right along. Uh, we're in Montana. We're in the badlands of Snakewater, Montana. Which, love uh, that name I so love much. Name. I love all the names in this film. Isla Nubla. Snakewater. It's all very, very good. Those are the two names. Yeah, those <laughs> are the two, the two names. I love them both. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we, we move right along. We, we meet Dr. Grant and Dr. Sattler. They're on an archaeological dig, and we get our first little bit of characterization. Grant hates computers. Yeah. This is important. He hates computers, and he likes digging. In fact, they, they start talking about how in a few years they might not even need people digging anymore, and he's like literally like... Where's the fun in that? He's, I mean, <laughs> the guy in the previous scene was right. He's yeah. a digger. Yeah. He just loves to dig. He's just like an old dog sort of thing. Which is... <laughs> it's not really something that comes back. Yeah. I feel like there's not a lot of digging. No, that's true, actually. <laughs> the rest of the film, at no point does he ever... Like, you'd think there'd be someone stuck and he helps dig him out yeah. or something like that. He just doesn't touch it again. He doesn't... Yeah, he never digs. So why they felt they need to include that is, is beyond me. Uh, he hates computers, he hates children, he loves digging, and he loves dinos well we also learn that he hates children because like as they're like moving through this dig this fucking random kid who we never see again (laughs) is just kind of like what do you mean that dinosaur's like a bird like a six foot turkey why is it so scary yeah and then and then 
Dr. Grant, I, I assume, like, a, it should be a consummate professional, comes up to this kid with a fucking raptor claw, a six-inch raptor claw, and terrorizes this kid, dragging this claw, like, over his chest and face and shit. I have a completely different perspective on this scene. All right. Which is that, like... <laughs> Is this supposed to be scary? Like, he literally is trying to scare this kid by being like, imagine a dinosaur. Now, imagine there's three dinosaurs, and they get you. And the kid is just stunned into, like, okay, sir, I'm here's sorry. A, here's the thing, here's the thing. It's not scary because it's a dinosaur. It's scary because a middle-aged man right, brandishing okay. a claw comes up to a young child and molests him with a dinosaur yeah, claw. Okay. That's the terrifying part. That's the scary part yeah. in 2017. I will grant you that. Now, there's two ways to view this, right? 2017. Is this remakeable or not? Like, young people being insolent to older generations and getting shut down. Do you think this is remakeable because of Hollywood's love of shitting on millennials? Or do you think this is not remakeable because millennials are becoming a more important consumer base? I reckon you'd probably pretty easily have, like, some teenager on an iPhone sort of thing just being like, dinosaurs, who even cares? Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the kids and the Tweedo and the Facebook. (laughs) And the Tweedo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're just all over it. And they never never even pay attention to dinosaurs anymore. (laughs) Can you believe it? (laughs) They don't even care about dinos. Now, I've not seen the remake, but I hope there is a scene where that crisp rat goes up to some teen, like, on Tweedo, and, like, yells at him about plesiosaurs or whatever. Now, when you say he goes up to some kid, do you mean we just see a scene of him on Twitter, like, angrily tweeting at some kid? Or do you mean, like... That's very 2017. Yeah, yeah, Crisp rat, angrily tweeting at some kid. (laughs) All right, very good. Moving right along. Uh, Cool. Yeah, so we get this... uh, so we get this helicopter, like, flying in. These guys have just dug up, uh, like, a fossil of a dinosaur. They're all very worried about, like, I guess, dust eroding the fossil. I don't know what they... Or, like, like basically, like, the helicopter's coming down, blowing sand around, and everyone's very worried about it. They yeah. cover up this fossil. Helicopter pilot lands. And then the very next thing we see, uh, Sattler and Grant go into their caravan, and Richard Hammond's there, stealing their booze. <laughs> He's popping their fancy champagne and telling them that today's the day they've been saving it. For. Yeah. He proceeds to introduce himself as uh, John Hammond, the man who funds their archaeological digs and the owner of Jurassic Park. He he kind of just spends three minutes bragging about how rich he is. He does do like, that. He literally, he's just kind of like, I own an island. Like, yeah. he drops that, and then he's just kind of like, hey, uh, you should come with me, and if you do, I'll finance your dig for the next three years. And every yes. time they have a complaint, he shuts them down by being like, oh, I'm so rich, though. Yeah. I'm so rich. And every time they bring up anything, he's like, no, but I have more money. I've, I've spared no expense. Yeah. Come on my helicopter. There's a jet waiting to go. I'm so rich. Yeah, he really, it's a real classist manifesto, this mm. film, about, mm. you know, the ignorance and arrogance of the wealthy and about the proletariat seizing the means of construction. Uprising, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. As a science boy, I can relate to the appeal of three years of funding. So Hammond has shown up because he knows that he needs to get these experts to sign off on his park, and one of the experts that he needs is Dr. Grant. So he, uh, yeah, persuades them to come with him without telling them why or what, which to me is the strangest thing. Here's the thing. The closest thing to a what is him saying that there's no doubt that our attractions will drive kids out of their minds. <laughs> and if that isn't an incentive for Alan Grant to come on a trip, t- 
terrorizing oh, children. That's true. Is just his whole shit. Yeah, that's one of a few things we know about him. He hates computers and children and loves digging. And he'll go here yeah. because he loves driving children out of their minds. Yeah, exactly. Which is, yeah, I mean, it's admittedly a strange way to, to describe an amusement park. But yeah. I'll, <laughs> no, like, no, they're going to love it. It's like, no, they're going to lose their minds. <laughs> Drive them out of their minds. <laughs> All right. Why didn't he just tell them that he had dinosaurs? Because they'd be there in a heartbeat. Like, he I think need he, to entice them in that way. I think he probably gets off on seeing people see dinosaurs for the first time, right? Maybe, like, maybe. You know maybe, what I mean? Like, maybe, maybe. Like, as, like, and as he says later on, he's there for every birth of every dinosaur and that sort of thing. Like, I feel like, like Hammond just, just gets off on seeing people surprised mm. and, like, just mm. loves that. No, that's, that's true. He's got a very sexual fetish. I mean, he plays a very sexual character, I think. Like, the way he sits <laughs> around the island. <laughs> He's not the most sexual character in this movie. That would, of course, be the inimitable Jeff Goldblum, who we're going to meet very shortly. But before we do that, we move on to a scene where we get to see Wayne fucking Knight. We see this spooky undercover man trying to be very inconspicuous coming down, and then there's Wayne Knight essentially playing... His character from Seinfeld. No, just like he's not. Well, he's I not mean, like, Newman. I mean, like, like, okay, like, imagine Newman, but he's this incredible, like, computer, like, computer scientist working on this like theme park, and that's it. So imagine Newman, but not Newman. Well, I mean, but imagine like, Newman, but, like, but smart and with a different career. The two things that define the character: sure. being his incompetence and his job. Yeah, I would say he's still incompetent in this film. Like, definitely. All right. Like the film, like, definitely builds. Off that. My point is, is that like it's just Wayne Knight being Wayne Knight. I and, like. I disagree. I love this whole thing. He's just slamming plates of food. Like he's there in this cafe eating plates of food. This guy comes over, says they're going to give him seven hundred and fifty grand to steal fifteen dinosaur embryos from Jurassic Park because whatever mysterious shadowy company he works for is ten years behind on their research, and he reveals that like. Hammond hasn't been paying him well enough, so he's gonna steal all these embryos for him. Yeah, and uh, I, it's really, it's a really good scene. He like he's he's so like strange and like bubbly when they show him like the shaving foam can that can hold the embryos. He's, I, he's a madman. He's, yeah, just he's entirely a madman. madman, and I love it. What has he What has he been up to? Wayne Knight. Yeah. I don't know. Let's look it up. <laughs> Let's find out what Wayne Knight is doing now, dude. He was in Hail Caesar. Oh my god! <laughs> what? Yeah, he's in Hail Caesar. I'm he, so shocked. He's in Kung Fu Panda 3 uh, as Big Fun. <laughs> I mean, that's all the way to describe Wayne Knight. Then yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Uh, he's in the original Kung Fu Panda as a gang boss. Different character. Dude. He just loves that franchise. Okay, dude. He's in Dinotopia, Quest for the Ruby Sunstone as Thud. He's in cheaper by the dozen. He was, of course, in Rat Race. He oh, was, of course, course in Rat of course, Race. Of course, of course. That's, that's pretty great. I mean, he was in fucking Seinfeld. He doesn't need to be doing anything right now. I mean, Fucking sure. Wayne Knight has already crushed it. He's already done more with his life than we will ever do. There's, there's no fucking... Then, do actors get Cindy money as well? Yeah. They yeah, must do, surely. Yeah, yeah, yeah so he's probably do. just loaded. I mean, oh, yeah. it sounds like he's going pretty well. Yeah. He's also in... He's in Toy Story, right? Big Al. Wow. Yeah. Man, I'm I'm really judging my tune on Wayne Knight already. Dude, Wayne like, Knight's fucking he's... great. You know he was in Space Jam? Yeah, I know he's in Space Jam. Yeah, Wayne Knight's awesome, dude. He was in fucking Third Rock from the Sun for five seasons. Obscene, dude. I, I like Wayne Knight, and I think he Look, does a good job. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like Wayne Knight. I He's not my favorite thing about this film in particular. 
Okay, I mean, he literally crushes it in every single scene that he's in. Jesus, we spent too long worrying about this. We spent too long worrying about Wayne Knight when we're about to meet uh, the most important character in this film, Dr. Ian Malcolm, played by the inimitable Jeff Goldblum. They're in the helicopter. He reveals that he's a chaos theorist that Hammond has brought in. Yeah, he's basically like a rock star mathematician who refers to himself as a, a chaos chaotician. Chaotician, that's right. Chaotician, so yeah. he's. So he's the second expert that needs to sign off on the park in addition to Dr. Grant. And uh, he says a lot of sciencey sounding words like phase space and nonlinear equations and strange attractors. Lots of things that make it sound very, very good. He kind of just seems to be flirting with everyone in that Oh, yeah. Helicopter. He's also a sex god. Yeah. He's a sex symbol. And I feel like Jeff Goldblum has, like, really risen to that, like, sort of fame as time's gone on. Like, it's like people have looked back and been like, man, Jeff Goldblum. Do you feel that? I like... mean, he wasn't Earth Girls Are Easy. And uh, as as a man whose prime directive was to have sex with Earth women, <laughs> which you can argue is also true of this entire movie franchise. So, I don't know. I feel like he very much was on that grind from fucking 90s. Yeah, that's true. He makes know? it very apparent that he doesn't give a shit about this park. <laughs> no. <laughs> he just wants to fuck. Yeah. We get we get more weird close-ups of them, like, strapping in seatbelts and that sort of thing, which which is a fine sort of thing, but for just what seems, like, too long. But anyway, we get a highly iconic scene that I completely forgot about, where, like, Dr. Grant, PhD, presumably, can't figure out how to do a seatbelt, so he just, like, ties the seatbelt in a knot and pulls it around his waist, because apparently, like, he's literally, like... You've been on a plane, he's trying to put the fucking thing in, and he just can't fucking do it. He can't figure it out. So, well, he, he's not only just digging. He, he yeah. That's the only way he gets around normally. I mean, so. like, do you reckon as he was doing it, he was like, fucking computers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just hates computers so much. Yeah. Uh, okay. We also, we also get more of this lawyer guy. And, oh, like, man. my one note here is, like, this is such a fun movie, and this guy just sucks. <laughs> like, every time he's on screen, you're just like, man, like, fucking, you're going to a dinosaur park. Like, yeah, like lighten up for one minute. And, like, his mood swings dramatically. Oh, like, he's like, I'll shut you down, John. He literally says that on the helicopter. He's like, in 48 hours, I'll be shutting you down. And then, fucking, he, like, later he's like, we're going to be rich. Like, later this very same scene. So, uh, they get out of the helicopter. They land. There's a weird moment, like an incredibly strange shot, where Dr. Sattler and John Hammond and Dr. Malcolm all line up like they're about to do a fucking conga line. Like they literally, like they put their arms around each other and stand in a straight line like they're about to start doing the fucking can-can or something. And then we immediately cut away. We're driving around in a Jeep and we're about to get our first look at some dino boys. Yeah, we, we get that, uh, that timeless quote. It's... It's a dinosaur. Uh, I'm going to get out ahead of this right now. There are a lot of very iconic quotes in this film. Don't tweet at me when we don't pick those as the title of the movie, because that is low-hanging fruit, and we are not about that here It's Still Interested. We work a little bit harder. Yeah, so this uh, the movie just sort of stopped for a couple of minutes as everyone like, adjust to dinosaurs existing. Yeah. Like, everyone literally is just overwhelmed. John Hammond's just there watching everyone, presumably just getting off to it. Yeah. As, like, everyone is just, like, mouth agape, seeing these fucking dinosaurs for the first time. Like... With his strange erotic feelings about it. That's yeah. right. Did people care about dinosaurs before this film? Um, well, obviously some people did. Obviously. This, this film did a lot in terms of making yeah. people care about dinosaurs. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because it feels like this... It feels quite, like, Harry Potter-esque in terms of, like, there's a bunch of those films where it's just kind of like, hey, here's this cool world. 
we're just gonna like look at it for a bit, like enjoy. Yeah. And it's very much that. It's just like the film just stops doing anything. It's like, isn't this neat? And I think it is. Yeah, it's very neat. It's extremely cool. I can't like, I can't state enough how much this movie means to me as a person. Like these scenes where we see this herd of fucking brachiosaurs like walking around. Mm. It's just so good, and it looks pretty good. Like it holds up reasonably well. Yeah, the, di- the dinosaurs I think look great, and it's, what's what I think is really great is following up that incredible scene with the most absurd fucking video I've ever seen in, like, the cloning video they right, watch. before we get to that. So after we see all these fucking dinosaurs moving around, we get the first example of what I'm talking about in terms of low-hanging fruit, which is, welcome to Jurassic Park. If you think that's going to be the title of this episode, you can go home. Yeah. Right, right? Like, we knew about that one, we decided Obviously, to like, yeah. Don't, don't... It's the title of the film! Yeah. Like, on a number of occasions, they say the title of the film! Yeah. We're not going to use that for the title! Like, yeah. oh. We're off to learn about the process by which they make these dinosaurs in mm. the visitor center. And we get this fucking goofy ass fucking video about DNA, which like... It's about DNA. It's also John Hammond talking to himself. He sets up this whole scenario where there's a video version of him printed onto the screen. And then like the two versions of himself talk to each other. But he fucking misses his lines. Mm. So he's up there and he's already fucked it. Like he misses his first line because he's getting his palm cards wrong. The park's in beta, right? They're still working out the kinks, okay? I love this scene with the fucking goofy-ass DNA with the oh, weird, it's like... so weird. South, Southern American accent. Dude, it's so nice. Like, it's so iconic. And it does such a good job of explaining what DNA is and this, like, crazy, like, high-concept sci-fi process. Like, I should be taking the piss out of the scene, but I just can't. The one thing I will take the piss out of is dinosaurs! <laughs> which... yeah, for some reason, <laughs> the animated DNA strand, which is our guide throughout most of this cloning video... Yes. Just has a really hard time of saying dinosaurs. Yeah. Like, so it says dinosaurs like three or four times. Every time it's like, dinosaurs! It's like, dinosaurs! <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, which, I mean, dinosaurs, spelt like in a strange way, second title pitch for the film. Funnily, I have my first title pitch here, which is, Mr. DNA, where did you come from? <laughs> <laughs> which I just I think... Like I like that a lot. It's I absurd. Like lot. We also see the world's best VR setup. Yeah, okay. <laughs> as we're going through this fucking film. exactly. <laughs> this dude in this like like these fucking like like techno gloves and this yeah. headset just like like open mouth like yeah. slowly miming dude, through space. He's wearing like two like fucking Nintendo Power gloves and he's got like a clear plastic visor on his face and yeah he's doing like virtual reality. Now two things. One, virtual reality highly remakeable. But it's in 2017. <laughs> Second thing, this guy with the VR helmet Nominee for MVP from your boy here because he's wearing this fucking goofy fucking helmet. Like, there's nothing going on there, and he's just standing there, like mouth agape, staring at the camera, just like moving his hands around for like a few seconds. And I bet that guy got paid to do that. Yeah, probably not a lot though, right? Yeah, probably he's like nameless extra. Anyway, I love him. VR helmet guy. Is that our first MVP nominee? I, I believe that is, yeah. yeah. There you go. We also it? get that uh, lawyer guy. Um, <laughs> as So basically, like, they're watching this video, and then uh, these um, the rails come down. and turns the, into a ride. The theater, it's, it's a ride. The theater starts shifting. We see a bunch of scientists doing cool things. And then the lawyer turns to John Hammond and asks, are these characters autoerotica? Yeah. Which is, I mean, like, at that point, like, we both just kind of looked at each other. 
Yeah. It's just kind of strange. Well, it's like the film doesn't play it as a joke. No, and I don't really know what the joke even is. Is it like, are they animatronic, I think is what he's trying to say? Yeah. But this man... This man is the lawyer dealing with Jurassic Park. Yeah. Surely he's come across the word, like, animatronic, animatronic before. It, right? It's a really strange offbeat moment in the film. But it's like trying to ingest this character with a bit of fun, but he's just devoid of it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just a real waste. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum to that line brings the house down. I mean, it's funny. That's the because, title of the episode. Yes, because Jeff Goldblum is also like uh, a sex boy. Yeah, I think that's the only way to describe him is sex underscore boy. Yeah, the two sex boys in the film yeah. are the lawyer and Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sex boys. All right. So uh, all of our all of our tour guests, all of our PhDs, just leave the ride. They push the fucking things up. Nice dude. Very nice. Extremely cool. Yeah. Uh, a lot of insubordination. Yeah. Going a lot on. of insubordination, which you know I love. Uh, and they, they go into the, the lab because they want to see how the dinos are being made. Yeah, and so um, luckily our uh, protagonists are here just in time to see a dinosaur hatching. Oh, it's so good. Um, we see this egg. We see this like kind of horrifying birth of this, uh, oh, uh, this raptor. But this scene still looks good. Oh, yeah. It looks so good. Mm. So this like raptor comes out. And uh, they reveal, the scientists in, in the lab reveal that, like, they can't breed in the wild. The only egg hatchings are the ones that happen in this lab because they've genetically engineered all of the dinosaurs to be female. And uh, We get Jeff Goldblum, mm, our, yeah, chaotician. our chaotician. Mm-hmm. He's um, not buying it. Talks about how, like, um, you know, like evolution and that sort of thing, because all these science terms, and gets to life, finds a way. Which, don't tweet at me. Yeah. We're not using that as <laughs> Obviously. The title. Everyone no, knows obviously. that fucking line. We're not going to use it as the title. It's the most iconic line in the film. Life uh, finds a way. Of course. It's beautiful. It's great. It, it's lovely. Yeah, it's not going to be the title. Goldman does a great job, but like, it's just not. But like, it is a uh, an interesting sort of thing. This like this idea of chaos theory, I think, is uh, throughout the film is fascinating. Oh, yeah. it's truly fascinating. I also think it's kind of cool that they found a way for raptors to be the villain to be the villain in a film where there's a T-Rex. Like, this film, like, builds up raptors as the most terrifying thing, and yet there's a fucking T-Rex, yeah. and, like, I think that's, that's, hey, the film avoids the low-hanging fruit, because I feel like T-Rexes are probably the obvious get, right? I think the the important thing, the point that they're trying to make is that the T-Rex is, like, big and powerful and dumb, whereas the raptors are, like, fast and smart. Mm. Like, they're super smart, mm. and uh, that's kind of, that's why they're so dangerous. Mm. But anyway, <clears throat> so, speaking of raptors... Next thing we see is uh, the scientists heading out to check out some raptors being fed. And uh, we get Robert from Kenya. And he's in there and he's like, they should all be destroyed. <laughs> like, he's just yeah. like, got to kill all these fucking raptors. And he gets my nominee for MVP for this scene. Just Robert wow. from Kenya. Yeah. Because of how emphatic he is about destroying raptors and how high his socks are. Which is... He has very high socks and they are very good. They're very good socks. Okay, so we get a little bit of setup for important stuff that comes back later, which is about how smart these raptors are. They're testing the fences, looking for fucking weak spots, and they remember. Yeah, this is what Robert we, tells we us. We get Robert talking about how um, they, I think they brought in nine raptors originally, and yep. then 
the, the they talk about the big one, which is one of the raptors that came in with the original bunch and just killed all the others, bar two of them, mm. and is sort of like the I guess like leader of the pack. Mm. Uh, and then when they were yeah, let them go out hunting, they were like testing all the fences, mm. like the electric mm. fences for ways mm. to get out and that sort of thing. And then when she looks at you. You can tell that she's thinking, figuring shit out. Figuring shit out. It's extremely spooky. And it's it's really cool how much they set up these like raptors. As, as, as I was saying earlier, like they set it up as such a threat. One of many reasons that this is in fact a good movie. Yeah. Uh, moving right along. Of so the next thing we see, which is an extremely lit looking lunch. This food looks really fucking tasty. Does they spared no expense. They certainly spared no expense. Well, I, I found it hard to focus on this scene because Jeff Goldblum is just like openly slamming the park to like right. to its creator. And like in such a way where it's just frankly offensive. In like, his classic Goldblumian way. Such a lazy delivery for he, such a grandiose line. He literally accuses them of raping the earth. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> like <laughs> And like yeah, this, he does. this is the guy like they, they, he's been flown over by this guy. Yeah. Like they're there, like sitting yeah. in this space, sort of thing. Like, what do you think about cool dinosaurs? I think you're a rapist of the earth. Yeah, like raping it's a nature. lot to hear. Yeah, no, I mean he, he makes some good points though. Jeff yeah. Goldblum is taking him to task. He's like, you fucking, you guys didn't work enough for this. You just stood on the shoulders of geniuses, and you were so occupied with whether or not you could, you didn't stop to think about whether you should. Don't tweet at me. That's not the title either. Iconic line from the movie. He's talking about how they didn't earn the knowledge and how they don't respect yeah. it or take responsibility for it and how they're not real scientists and then the rest of them just pile on yeah. like Sattler gets in and she's like you've got all these extinct plant species here and they'll defend themselves violently yeah so next do we get like the, the, their whole plan is to uh, go on a tour of the park now yes. which they're heading into yes. and Hammond announces that they will not be heading out alone in fact, uh, they will be joined by a couple of kids. Yeah, they're going to take the kids through Murder Park yeah. because why? Well, I guess they're his grandchildren, and yeah. one of them shows an active interest in dinosaurs. So, yes, you know. but arguably, like a different time to when you're being inspected. Probably for, not like, like the safety hazards. The beta of the park, probably not. Yeah, yeah. And, and like particularly like someone's just died. You're being like inspected by experts to see if it's safe. Oh, let's fucking send my grandkids. <laughs> seems like hey, a, I mean, it's a hell of a bluff. Seems <laughs> like a reasonable fucking yeah. thing to do. This this park is safe. I sent a couple of world experts and my fucking grandkids. Yeah, exactly. Little children. I guess the whole point is that Hammond is like so blinded by his pride and his hubris that he does not see the dangers associated with the park, which we will come back to this because some of these dangers are completely insane. Yeah, just, just obscene. Let's move on. So we get them going down to, basically there are these little railways, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, self-driving cars. Yeah. So Very 2017. Self-driving cars. But they're not really self-driving. The fact that they're just on these rails, they're mm-hmm. electric, there's no steering or anything, and you just kind of get in these cars and they just drive uh, due to the track. I honestly think it might have been cheaper for them to just hire people to drive the cars around. Like, surely that, that would have been, like, a cheaper option. But Jackson, they spared no expense. And it's much more impressive to have self-driving cars. Okay? Certainly. It's all about automation. So we get a cutaway to the control centre for the park. Where we've got fucking Samuel L. Jackson, who I'm going to admit I forgot was in this movie. Yeah. Hanging out with uh, Hammond and Wayne Knight. I believe we learn that Samuel J.'s name is Mr. Arnold later. Mr. Arnold. But he's not named for quite a while. Um, I think he's got to be up there for the MVP discussion. Oh, yeah. Purely for his, oh, op- his yeah. opening line. 
Hold on to your butts. Yeah, I mean, it's very good. Hold and on to your butts is extremely good, both as a nomination for MVP and also as a title pitch. Yeah, I think it's, it's got to be up in there. Very, very good. Up in the mix. The important thing, Tropical Storm is coming. Uh, they think it might turn away like all the previous Tropical Storms have, but we'll come back to that later. Uh, we get a nice little aside as the cars pull away from the visitor center here where Dr. Khan's hating on engineers. Dude, nice. He's nice. like, oh, we're in the hands of engineers. Nice. As a physics boy, I relate to that. <laughs> nice, nice, e- Engineers nice. are plebs. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Okay, Very okay. good. Uh, <laughs> um, we get them going to the first dinosaur enclosure mm-hmm. and... The Dilophosaurs. Mm, yeah. Uh, who can spit acid into the eyes of foes, mm-hmm. but uh, no dice, no, no dinosaurs here. So yeah. we get them quickly rolling on. Yeah, um, we see some stuff in the control room uh-huh. of like them being very concerned about things. Um, Dennis and- is there. He's yeah. complaining about his, his salary. He's like, I need more money, Hammond. And then Hammond is like, I won't get into another financial debate with you, but Dennis. But it seems like it seems like he's got like a gambling issue or something where he's lost a chunk of money. It's not explained why. Yeah, but it seems it seems like the scenario the film presents is that he was getting paid a chunk of money mm-hmm. and then he lost all of it, needed more money, and mm-hmm. Hammond was like, no. Which kind of goes against the whole no expense was spared. Exactly. That that was the expense they were sparing, I guess. But they did also actually pay him. And so I think given the degree to which Dennis (laughs) is so infuriated, being like, ah, you're so cheap. No, you got paid for your work. You accepted that amount of money. And now you you lost it and you're mad. That's the point that they make, that he makes about how his problems are his own. But... I mean, it also stands up to criticism that he talked about sparing no expense. If he had not spared this expense, this whole thing wouldn't have happened. If he'd just given Dennis some more money, yeah, of the course, whole thing would have yeah. Happened. But like, I mean, at that point, like, like I'm not saying like, this is a dude that he's lost all his money yeah, and he's just kind of sure. like, give me more. For for extra work? No, I just want more money. Yeah, sure. But that's absurd. Look, I'm not defending that position, but I am saying the sparing of that expense directly caused. Yeah, I guess that was, his, the that was his hubris, right? Yeah, exactly. If he had just done what he'd done the whole time. And, and just thrown money at all of no his problems. Because yeah. he seems not to give a fuck about money. Like, if he'd just been like, yeah, sure, what, whatever. When but, Dennis was like, I need more money. There's no inclination of what he does, either. He's just Well, I can tell you what he does. He's networking eight computers and debugging by hand two million lines of code. No. So, <laughs> if you I mean, can I mean Hammond. I mean Hammond. Okay. What is, like... What what has Hammond done to have this like ludicrous amount of money? I mean, to the extent that where he owns an island as well. And that make sort of amusement thing. parks <laughs> and flea circuses, as we learn later. Um, no, okay, I'm gonna get this out here right now. Dennis gets an MVP nomination from me for this scene because of the way he's automating this entire park. He's sitting there just being a huge old dickbag in his chair. He's talking about networking age computers and also debugging two million lines of code. It's very good. Do you think we get vetoes? Because I'm throwing one out if we do. (laughs) I mean, you've just arbitrarily decided that you don't think that Dennis is great in this film. I'm not arbitrarily deciding. I watched the film and (laughs) thought that he's, he's not top five. I mean, he is. He is top five. He's, yes, moving right along. We next get the warden telling everyone, there's this whole argument happening. The warden, Robert, (laughs) shuts everyone up uh, because they're up to the T-Rex paddock. Yeah. Which isn't explained why in the control room he's like, hey, shut up! They're in the T-Rex paddock. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Because, like, surely it's just just the next part of the tour. But but it's important, apparently. The T-Rex paddock. They have an elevator for a goat. They have an elevator that comes out of the ground. Dude. 
it's horrifying. It's a death elevator. Yeah. Like, how horrible... Like, they're like, well, here's this machine, and it just lifts you up <laughs> to it, your destruction. It, it lifts, goes up to their death. Okay, <laughs> all right. We do get a quick cut of John Hammond just, like, sighing into his hands, like, oh, God, I hate Malcolm, like, Dr. Malcolm. <laughs> Which I thought was kind of weird, because, like, he invited him, right? Yeah, like, no, he did bring him along. And, like, surely, like, there are other experts in the world, like, I guess maybe yeah. he just didn't know, but, yeah. like... He's been sarcastic, but he's yeah. not, like, unbearable. <laughs> it's like he fucked his wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's in there like, God, I hate that man. Oh, you ruined my family. Um, it is strange. So, okay, this is big for me, right? So, so Hammond is like, this park is completely safe. I'm so confident I'm going to pass the insurance certificate. Oh, by the way... The self-driving vehicles with no park employees that go through the dinosaur exhibit don't fucking lock. The fucking people can just get out of the cars and walk around. Like, Robert like, literally turns to him and is like, I told you they need locks. But it's How like, many times do I have to tell you? That's day one. Like, that's safety day one. You're like, huh, we're going to drive these people through a room full of a T-Rex and Dilophosaurs and everything. And they can just fucking get out of the cars. Like, that is... That is enormous. And like, it's the kind of thing, like, maybe, like, yeah, what, what if anything goes wrong? They need to be able to get out of the car. Have a fucking, like, like... Emergency uh, release. Like, yeah, like a fire yeah. exit type deal, like, sort of yeah. thing. Like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We gotta talk about how good this Triceratop looks. And, uh, so they find... So they're out there, they're walking through the bush, they've left the track now, and they find this sick Triceratops, and Sattler figures out that it's sick because it's eating, what is it, West Indian lilac? And uh, yeah. that's what's making it sick. Well, she assumes that, yeah. and to fu- figure it out, she's going to need to find some dinosaur droppings. Yeah, she's got to go through it. Um, which leads to us having a scene where uh, Jeff Goldblum wanders up to a uh, pile of dinosaur droppings and uh, ex- loudly exclaims, that is one big pile of shit. Yeah, Which is my good. pitch for the title. <laughs> I mean, that's... No, I can't have that as the title. No, I know, still, I know, I know. But it is a good pitch. Um, <laughs> fuck, dude. He doesn't just walk up to the thing. He saunters his way up to this pile of shit. Like, hip-swaying, shirt unbuttoned. Yeah, it's worth he noting that the man, like... the man is wearing all black. <sighs> like He's has voguing. far too many buttons <laughs> undone. He's just fucking... completely comfortable in his sexuality. He's got that strut on, yeah, dude. All it's right. very good. At this point, Sam Neill, Dr. Grant, says about the Triceratops that it was his favourite when he was a kid. And I think we need to have a little segment here, Jackson... Where we talk about our favorite dinosaurs when we were children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite dinosaur when you were a wee boy? I think my favorite when I was a kid was like the Ceratosaurus. What's the Ceratosaurus? It's essentially a T-Rex with spines on its back. Oh, and it's very man. fucking cool. That sounds extremely deadly. Yeah. I think I literally... I, I mean, I like dinosaurs and I watch a bunch of those shows. I mean, Dinotopia, very good film. Mm-hmm. Love that a lot. David Thomas, um, Wentworth Miller. But I think I was kind of just... <laughs> I... <laughs> I think I was kind of just looking at it from the perspective of being like, hey, you know what's cool? Adding spines to things. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. My favorite dinosaur when I was a kid was the Stegosaurus. And I don't really know why. There's just something about the Stegosaurus that I found very appealing. Like, he just seemed like a cool guy. And yeah. he had, like, big old bony plates on his back. Yeah. And he just seemed like a very, yeah, a very yeah. cool... He, was, he looked cool. He did look the cool. The Stego boy. 
There's something about a creature that has like these almost like blades on its back. I mean, same thing with me, like the Ceratosaurus and you, yeah. the Stegosaurus. Although Triceratops got those horns as well. Triceratops is also very cool. That was definitely my second. Dinosaurs favorite. are fucking cool, but I think that's like the the main thing. To, the, the main takeaway here, yeah, is that most dinosaurs are pretty cool. Are pretty cool guys. That's right. Uh, so back to the thing in question. So there's the Triceratops. It's sick. Uh, well, can we also talk about that? About how incompetent all these park employees are? Like, presumably, these are, like, some, like, the wardens moving around and, like, taking care of these dinosaurs. And then one of them's there sick, and it's just kind of like, oh, look, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It is pretty strange that no one really even thinks about how or why I got sick. Particularly if they've spared no expense. <laughs> Like you think they they like they bring in some like employees that like would have any idea what they're doing and they just don't and she's what, a paleobotanist mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. like why is that it doesn't yeah I mean the more important thing that's happening in the film right now is we get to cut back to the control center the tropical storm is still coming in uh, it hasn't diverted to the south like all the rest of them they say Samuel J picks up the phone and says something to the effect of the last shuttle for the boat is leaving in five minutes drop what you're doing and evacuate everyone in the control center then proceeds to sit down and not even think about evacuating they just kind of sit there uh, we get a cut back out to the people who are out in the field so the various PhDs hanging out in the park nobody goes out to get them they're all just kind of hanging out there nobody radios them and is like you gotta go we gotta evacuate I don't know who the evacuation warning was for none of the characters that we see evacuate uh, which seems like a glaring safety issue for a park having a safety audit but don't worry about it so they split up Dr. Sattler decides to stay with the Triceratops and the rest move on with the rest of the tour. Back in the control room, Dennis crushes this scene, dude. He's being so sketchy. He's like, hey, I'm going to go to the vending machine. Does anyone want anything sweet? I had a lot of salty things. I think I need something sweet, so I'm going to go get a little bit of the sweet soda. Does anyone want some soda? And he's just like, he's so good, dude. He crushes it. He's sweating because he's evacuating. He calls the boy on the dock and he's like, you got to give me 15 minutes to get there. I timed this thing out. I had 18 minutes, but I reckon I can do it in 15. You got to give me 15. And then he's like, he needs to go steal the embryo and get to the dock in 15 minutes. Well, also, the guy he's calling is just being thoroughly drenched. Yeah. Like, as in, like, there is just so much rain happening. And this guy is just being buffeted by the elements. Exactly. So at this point, I'm kind of perplexed by the fact that Dennis's plan needs to take place right now. Like, he's like... Yeah. He's like, there's a tropical storm incoming. We're evacuating. I could do my whole corporate espionage thing tomorrow, but instead I'm going to do it right now. Well, but also, like, what leverage do they have over him? Like, oh, we're not going to pay you. They've already given him yep. three quarters of a yep. million dollars. Exactly. And, like... They He's their person on the inside. Like, what's a couple more days? You're ten years behind. They like, presumably still want the embryos, even if he doesn't get them to them that day. So we figure out that he's turned all the fences off because he needs to in order to get out. So his plan is he's stolen the embryos, he's gotten a jeep, he's making his way to the east dock, and uh, he's turned all the fences off. But despite having done that, he just crashes his car like a complete fucking lunatic, which is, he, he literally like drives through a fence and it smashes into a post that says East Dock. He gets all turned around. He doesn't know which way the East Dock is because he knocks over the post. And then he's like, oh, fuck. Having manual overrides for all the fences seems like kind of a big safety concern. They're yeah. manual overrides that aren't protected in any way. He literally just opens a box and flicks a switch called manual override. And just yeah. like the electric fences just shut down. And like, kind of ha- seems how like... soon are people coming into the park? That seems like a big thing to exactly. be fucking with, right? Kind of seems like pretty fucked up that that's yeah. a thing that they can just do. Moving back to our, our boys and the kids in the cars. They're hanging out 
in the cars. They're ready to continue with their journey. Nothing's happening. The cars aren't moving. They're all kind of confused. Well, that's it. Like, like the power shuts off, and because it's like the cars are electric, running on these mm-hmm. rails, mm-hmm. Um, they're just kind of stuck in there. So uh, we get an extremely iconic, highly suspenseful, and highly remakeable scene uh, where the water is shaking. Because they're sitting in the cars, they're bored shitless, they don't know what's going on, and the water in the cup starts shaking because the fucking T-Rex is there. We get this whole car scene, which is just extremely good. I kind of stopped taking notes because I was just watching this scene. Yeah, no, so did I, so did I. It's, 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 so it's really, I think it's arguably one of, if not the best scenes in the film. Yeah. Just like seeing this T-Rex, and like I think it's why everyone is so aware of that whole like... T-Rex is having, like, definitely motion-driven, like, sight sort of thing. The kids are in one car with a, with a lawyer who just fucking bails as soon as yep. the T-Rex rocks up. And then um, our PhDs are in the other car. And they're just, like, sitting there, they're being like, don't move. You can't, they can't see the moves. And the kids are fucking up. There's a torch on. The mm-hmm. T-Rex is being, like, drawn over. It starts, like, bashing its head into the car and that sort of thing. Everyone's screaming and worrying. It's all very suspenseful. It's, it's all very, very good, It's extremely good. Now, here's what fucks me up. Grant completely solves the problem. He pulls the flare out, he attracts the attention of the T-Rex, and he throws it into the bushes, and the T-Rex starts moving off towards the flare. At which point, Ian Malcolm is like, oh, great idea, and lights up a flare himself, and attracts the attention of the T-Rex, and brings it over to him, rather than just letting the problem be solved like it already is. Chaos chaos theory, dude. <laughs> Chaos Theory is Dr. Malcolm completely yeah. fucking things I mean, up. he just had to. <laughs> That's yeah. how he gets his magic powers. I mean, so. that, <laughs> that is how he gets them. His Chaos powers yeah. activate. So the lawyer has run off. He's in a toilet. I mean, okay. okay. This to me is strange. Yeah, listen. For a film that talks about humility, this is pretty disrespectful, I think. Building this character up just to, like... Have him be mauled okay. while he's sitting on a toilet. I'm glad you agree with this because to me, it, it, it feels like at this point, like we're supposed to be like, <laughs> yeah, got him. Like, it's like he's still a human being. Like, he hasn't killed anyone. Yeah. He's arguably way less morally reprehensible than a lot of other characters in this movie. Like, he's just like a lawyer. Like, he just fucking, he just fucking like wants to, you know. Make some money and his job. prevent them yeah. from getting sued into the dirt. And then, like, he gets eaten by a T-Rex and we're meant to be like, <laughs> yeah, nice. Got his, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess he did abandon some children sort of thing. But, but it was a fucking T-Rex. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they could have done the same. Yeah. He didn't lock them in the car. No. He just ran I mean, away. he couldn't have. Even yeah. <laughs> He couldn't have. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for this guy. And I'm nominating him in memoriam for MVP. Yeah. Purely in memoriam. <laughs> Purely. Um, yeah, so this lawyer just gets fucking eyes and we're meant to celebrate about it. But, like, you know what, I Steven refuse. Spielberg? Exactly. How dare you? So, like, you, you may have done some good things cinematically, but how dare you? I mean, Jaws was great, yeah. but that doesn't make this okay. Yeah. <laughs> you had one good film. What gives you the right? right? Yeah, you made Jaws, all right? Very good, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. You know what? One of these days, someone's going to make a movie that's better than Jaws. Yeah. I know it hasn't happened yet, but one of these days, somebody will succeed. Look, I saw War of the Worlds. You gave me three hours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so um, Dr. Grant goes in to save the children. He gets Lexi. 
He rappels down the side of this fucking cliff that they're apparently on, uh, but he can't save the little kid. He can't save Timmy. Yeah, which little is a shame. Timmy. T Rex pushes the car off the cliff. Uh, what happens to Goldblum? Like he like he just, he literally runs and gets like like knocked out. Yeah, he gets knocked, knocked out, out, by out sort of thing. Yeah, yeah but not eaten. Uh, not eaten, no. Uh, but just like down for the count. Yeah. And again, it's just remarkable given how little he had to act. Like, yeah, he didn't need to do that at all. Now we get Dennis fleeing through the wet, through the night in his car. He crashes it again. He, he... crashes his car twice in one car ride. Yeah. That's obscene, dude. All right. Sure, I'll like, grant you that. I've written down this whole thing is very contrived. Yeah. This entire scene this, is very of contrived. Course, but like, even like. Not like, Dennis's fault. In 15 minutes, the man crashes into a sign and then crashes his car. Like, because, like, what is he focusing on? Yeah, like there like, are dinosaurs around that are, like, drawing his attention. The man just can't keep his atten- like, attention on the road. It's crazy. Yes, I have noted down he crashes his car again like a goddamn lunatic. So he, he, he needs to get out of his car so he can attach the winch to a tree so he can pull his car out of the thing that's snagged in so he can continue on to the east dock because he's finally close. He sees another sign for the east dock and he's like, oh shit, there it is. And then he finds the road and he's like, oh cool, I found it. So he's, he's on his way. He encounters those Dilophosaurs that we didn't get to see before. And we get a very strange contrived scene where he's trying to play fetch with a Dilophosaur. He spends like five minutes trying to reason with a dinosaur. Yeah, I mean, arguably, a dinosaur is standing in front of him kind of flexing and he's just kind of like trying to survive. Well, I mean, you say trying to survive, he spends like a minute berating it because he doesn't have any food. He's like, look at me, I haven't got no food, you dumb (laughs) fucking dinosaur. Like, what are you doing? It's acid spit in his face. He flees. He turns well, around. It's, it's acid. He gets it spat in his face, doesn't react, yeah. gets it in his eyes, and yeah. then reacts. So I don't know if it's really acid. It's some, kind of, it's some kind of compound. He gets it spit on him. He gets up and flees. He turns around to look, gets it spit in his eyes, because of course he would do that. Then he tries to get in his car, wangs his head on the door to his car, falls over... The shaving cream can falls out of his jacket pocket. The embryos are gone. He gets in his car. He's about to drive away. Dilophosaurus in the car somehow. And they eat him. That's it. Yeah. It sucks. Very well done uh, by Dennis. And we're moving on. So the T-Rex has knocked this car down into a tree. And you better believe that little Timmy is still up there. Um, And so Grant is now tasked with... And keep in mind how much Grant hates kids. He is now tasked with having to climb a tree... To rescue Timmy from a car that is suspended, like, what, like 15 meters up in the air in this tree? It's highly suspenseful. It's highly suspenseful. It also, like, just proves to me just how incredible he is for a fucking paleontologist. Yeah, I mean... Like, I mean, look, obviously stereotypes. Paleontologists aren't normally seen to be, like, these, like, superhero-esque, like, characters that can do anything. Like... The only other pop culture paleontologist I'm aware of is, like, Ross Geller from Friends. Man, that would be a film. (laughs) 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 Fucking David Schwimmer playing playing Alan Grant. I hope... No, the character Ross Geller is in Jurassic World. Oh, yeah, nice. That would be very good. Yeah, yeah. A very good crossover. Um, Well, Spielberg has a boner for, like, academics being, like, tough boys. Yeah. Yeah, like like that uh, that, uh, Richard Dreyfuss in Jaws. Indiana Jones. That's a, a very <laughs> arguably a better call. Yeah, but both also good. Yeah. He just seems to have a thing for it. He's like academics being rough yeah. boys. He loves it. Almost as big of a boner as Michael Crichton seems to have for theme parks. <laughs> I'd kind of never really put that together until watching this film again. Michael Crichton. Westworld. 
Jurassic Park. Yeah. Two properties about, like, sci-fi theme parks yeah. that go horribly wrong because the attractions start killing the guests. Kind of a strange connection to draw. Anyway. <laughs> moving right along. Grant saves this kid from the tree. They get away. Uh, and now we get a scene where Robert and Sattler show up to try and find Malcolm and Grant. Uh, well, there's one car. They know there was another one that is now missing. And there's a huge fucking break in the, like, fence leading over the cliff. And they're kind of like, where'd they go? And they just, like, don't even really think about that for a few minutes. They find Malcolm, and then they're like, oh, right, that huge fucking obvious clue. Also, like, Goldblum is, like, very nearly dead at this point, and just still being sarcastic. They flee from a T-Rex in a car, another highly iconic scene. They get away. It's very good. Yeah, yeah, Um, We get this funny little moment with uh, little Timmy exclaiming loudly that, I hate trees! Yeah, so Grant, Grant has the kids, fun. and he's bonding, and he's getting some character development, which is highly remakeable. It's like Kindergarten Cop. Exactly. It's exactly like Kindergarten Cop. Kindergarten Cop really was the spiritual successor to Jurassic Park. I've always said that. Ooh. Do you it's a better film with the cast of Kindergarten Cop? Um, well, you'd have Arnold playing Mr. Arnold, who's played by Samuel L. Jackson. Would you? Yes. You wouldn't have him as Alan Grant? No, because I think it would be so funny him being like, hold on to your butts. <laughs> and then, like, he's trying to be like a computer program and he's like, Dennis covered his tracks too well. We have to flip the switch. <laughs> like, that's, that's great. It's inarguably perfect. I reckon he'd be pretty good as, like, Robert. Yeah. Like, like this, like, sort of, like, warden that's like, we should kill the raptors. Yeah, like, okay. They're too smart, too intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like last action hero meets yeah. Crocodile Dundee. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who else is going to go to golf. No, nobody does. No one's really sure. Yeah. Moving right along. <laughs> so Grant exclaims that they need to climb this tree to sleep overnight, and they do. They climb up it, and it's very nice. They have a very nice time. He explains that he's going to stay awake all night. He's lying to the children. That's very... He also, like perfectly mimics a dinosaur call. The dinosaurs are singing. He sees these brachiosaurs singing, and he decides to try and sing with them. Well, but he perfectly mimics a dinosaur. And I get that he, he's a paleontologist, and he's a dinosaur expert, and I get that. But there's just no way. There's just no way that, like, he, he just, like, nails it to the extent where they respond. Like, I can understand being like, hey, that was a pretty good attempt, sure. But, like, these fucking dinosaurs respond to this human man on top of a tree being like... And they're like, yeah, I'm into it. Like this, this, yeah. this sounds accurate. They love it. I think he did a quite a good job. At this point, we get what I think is probably the most unhinged scene in the movie. So John Hammond is sitting in the dining hall of the visitor center, just slamming pints of ice cream. Like he's got all the ice cream out on the counter because the power's off and the ice cream is all melting, and he's just fucking pounding ice cream. And uh, stress eating, dude. Yeah, Doctor Sattler comes in and sits down. And we get this, like, strange scene where Hammond explains how he used to own a flea circus. Yeah, it's weird. he has this whole thing about how, like, it's an illusion, but how the park he's making now is real. And Dr. Sattler explains to him that this park is also an illusion. The illusion is that they ever had control, and they don't. And she really just takes him to task. Yeah, she she really does. She really just fucking, like, puts him him in his place. I couldn't say this is, like, the most unhinged scene in the film, given that whole DNA video we had earlier. But it's, it's, it's certainly up there. Dinosaurs! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, 
We also, the uh, uh, next scene, we have, um, like, Grant and the kids waking up. He fucking lied to them. He was like, I'll stay up all night, kids, and then, like, pretty immediately falls asleep. Yeah, it's great. Um, but uh, we get them hanging around, like, playing around with a Brachiosaurus. It's all very fun. Yeah. These Brachiosaurus seem to have a cold, sneezes all over Alexi. It's good. It's just good comedy. I don't yeah, it's you great comedy. We get a couple of scenes where they're just kind of hanging out with some dinos. Like, we get this scene, and a little while later we get the scene where, like, they see that herd of dinos who are stomping around, and they have to, like, get under the log to avoid the herd of dinos, and then the T-Rex comes in and eats one of the little dinos. It's all just, you know, they're just trekking around the park, having great adventures. Yeah. There's a little group of friends. Uh, like, as they're continuing through this journey, we also get, like, a bit of conversation, a bit of character development from the kids as well. We hear Lexi uh, proudly exclaim that she's a hacker. Now, this is important. Uh, it is very important. Um, but I just love how, like, like, so, like, off the basis of her getting sneezed on by a dinosaur, Timmy is certain that Lexi will never, ever leave her room again and just play computer games. And she... Uh, defiantly exclaims, like, I'm not playing computer games. I'm a hacker. She's a hacker. How old... Is she, like, what, like... What, like, 11? Child prodigies? Highly remakeable. Yeah. She knows all about Unix systems, okay? Okay. Don't worry about it. (laughs) So, after we learn about Lexi's hacking status, they find some eggs. And this is important, because life found a way... As Grant clumsily says a few sentences later, uh, it was because the dinosaurs were spliced with amphibian DNA to fill in the blanks, and some amphibians have been known to spontaneously change sex in order to reproduce, so the dinosaurs can change sex, and then they can fuck each other and produce baby dinosaurs, and there are dinosaurs in the park that aren't being controlled by Hammond and his guys because they've been breeding, even though they weren't supposed to, because fuck you is why. Do you reckon that scene is infinitely better if they're like, what? Like, how are they breeding? And then he's just like, they evolved. Move on. Yeah, that may like, be better. Is, yeah. that just like, is that just not like a neater way of doing it? Just kind of yeah. like, you know what, fuck this whole amphibian thing. Like the, the point is more for me that it adds nothing to the movie. Yeah. Like, the fact that they're breeding, like, isn't important. Like, it doesn't come back. It doesn't affect the narrative at all. That's true. Like, there aren't any extra dinosaurs, No, it, hey. it doesn't matter. Because there are like, only, th- for, like, they three say... Three raptors. And the there raptors are three the raptors. Yeah. And there are it. only three. There are yeah. only three raptors. It, it, yeah. It doesn't affect the film at all. Like, the whole Life Finds Away thing, it adds nothing. Uh, and I'll take that... I'll, I'll stand by that to my grave. Yeah. So, now we're back in the control room. Hammond realizes that they need to reboot the computers. Because, as you know, and I know, and everyone knows, rebooting computers solves 90% of all problems in the world. It doesn't come back on. Well, part of it comes back on and says, system ready. And Samuel L. Jackson, Mr. Arnold, realizes that they need to flip the breakers. He instantly realizes that they need to flip the breakers because resetting it has fucked up the power grid. And they need to go flip the breakers. Uh, and, and so before he goes off to do that, Mr. Arnold goes off to the breakers. And Hammond says, everyone else needs to get in the emergency bunker. So now we go back. We're hanging out in the park. We've got Grant and the kids. They're checking out these dino boys. There's a big T-Rex. It eats a little dinosaur that was going to stomp over them. And like... To me, Grant doesn't seem to have the requisite amount of concern here. They're like 15 meters from a T-Rex, chowing down on some little dinos, and he's just like, hey kids, look at how it eats. Like, he's literally just like, oh, it's fucked up. Yeah, hey, look at that, kids. It's just kind of like fun in a theme He's just like, oh, crazy. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like, he doesn't seem the least bit concerned. Isn't they just got like really dramatically sensitized really quickly? Sort of yeah. Thing? Like, they're just like, well, this is, this is life now. We've spent one day out here, and this is- Now we're- this is our life that we know. Now we're park boys. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so, 
Uh, now we're back in the safety bunker. Mr. Arnold's been gone for too long. Uh, Robert decides he needs to tool up and go have a look at the breakers themselves, which brings me to another safety question. Why didn't they have guns before? He pulls over the cabinet, pulls out a, a fuckload of shotguns. Why is this the first time guns are involved? Well, I mean, Seems reasonable. On another point, why didn't uh, Sadler, Laura Dern's character, take a gun? And why didn't Robert take a walkie-talkie? They had enough for both. And yet she's like, hey, I'm on the walkie-talkie, I'm the comms girl, you're the gun guy. Like, yeah. great. It seems like you could have both had walkie-talkies yeah. and guns. It would be, you know what, take, take a couple. You know what, arguably... Take, take a couple of guns. Arguably, someone who doesn't know how to use a gun properly, you're worse off with them having one than them not. Dangerous. Uh, so, they head over to the power station, which is where the breakers are that they need to flip. Arnold's nowhere to be found. There's velociraptors now. Robert reckons he's got them. He's like, oh, fuck, there's a velociraptor over there. You go into the station. I'll take care of the velociraptor. And so Sattler goes in. He's in the station by herself, fucking intercut with Dr. Grant and the kids climbing the electric fence, trying to get back into the visitor center, the inner fence. And who's going to get there first? Are they going to get over the fence? Is she going to flip the power? It's all incredibly tense. She's in there fucking pumping the charge switch up and she's pressing all the buttons really slowly and the kids are climbing yeah. over the fence like they, they've gotten over the fence Timmy's up there and they're like just jump Timmy jump and he's counting down one two and then before we get there the switch gets activated switches get activated powers back on and Timmy flies through the air like a fucking mannequin oh dude he gets fried and launched off this fence but another highly remarkable aspect of this an incredibly handsome, charismatic, leading pra- leading man pulling pranks. He goes up on the fence, he grabs it, he's like... <laughs> pretending he's been electrocuted, even when he hasn't. Yeah. It's great as well, because, like, 30 seconds later, when he- when little Timmy gets zapped, it just makes him look like a huge dick. <laughs> because if he hadn't taken that time for the prank, they would have gone over... And it was his prank which caused him to get zapped. Uh, I had not thought about that. That is so accurate. Fuck, that's really funny. <laughs> all right, so all that happens. The whole park comes back to life. Uh, the breakers are back on. And all of a sudden, there's velociraptors. Oh, no, Sattler's in the electricity yeah, thing. Watch, she's, like, doing this huge celebratory line of being like, Mr. Hammond, the power's back on. And these, like, raptors just burst through these pipes. But like, how did how did it get in there? It, like, it, it looks like such a secure building, and this yeah. raptor just like teleported inside. Well, as apparently. we later learn, they know how to open doors. So yeah. she like I mean, okay. closes it in a little cage. She finds out that Samuel L. Jackson is toast. She gets his arm. Yeah, his arm she, falls she, like, out of a cupboard and lands on her shoulder. And she's like, "Oh, Mr. Arnold!" And then she realizes it's just an arm. Mr. Arnold is toast. She's running from velociraptors. She's fleeing. She gets outside. Now we've got a shot. We're in the bush outside the electricity cupboard, is what I've been calling it. Robert is there, and he's got a bead on this dino. And at this point, I've written down, all this boy wants is to kill dinos. It's only once. Like, he's just like, he said it, and he's like, they should all be destroyed. And now he's like, I've got this fucking velociraptor in my sights, right? And then that classic thing that was foreshadowed right at the start of the film happens. He's looking at one dinosaur, he's fucking lining it up in its sights, the other raptor that you didn't even see comes in from the side and fucking nails him. I just love the respect he gives the raptors, though. Even in his death, as he utters that line, like, you can just get the sense that he's like, well, I guess, uh, you know, both teams went out there, we played as hard as we could, but the best team won. 
Like Raptors. he's just like begrudging respect. Like they got clever, me, clever girl. You fucking got me. You got me. Yeah. Look, I'm, hey, hey, I knew that maneuver. I didn't see it coming. Like <laughs> jokes on me, I guess. Well, yeah. yeah, no, you you're right. You're right, Jackson. He is like that. He respects the dinos too much. So. Uh, okay, yeah, at this point I've noted down, like, he's getting eaten by the one dino, the one velociraptor that came from the side, and we focus in on the velociraptor that he was looking at with his shotgun, and it narrows its eyes. Like, you gotta give the animals shifty eyes so the audience knows they're up to something. Yeah. That's that classic Simpsons fucking, the dog with the shifty (laughs) eyes, you know? Like, they literally (laughs) did it in this movie. They, like, they totally did that dumb thing. Uh, Alright, so we're back with Grant and the kids, and Timmy's alive now, and they've made it back to the visitor center. CPR worked, because it always does in these Mm -hmm, films, mm -hmm. and, and they make it back inside. Grant goes outside. The way they decide to show the reunion between Grant and fucking Sattler is close up on Sattler's ass. Sattler sees Grant through the trees and they run an embrace. It's really funny as well because, like, in the scene prior, like, Laura Dern comes at John Hammond being like, oh, like, you want, like, because John Hammond offers to, like, take her place because he's the man and she's the woman. And she's like, oh, I don't have time to talk about, like, sexism in the survival situation. And yet, then the camera just, like, pans her butt. Like, just like, here we go. Like, it's so funny. Um, (laughs) So, while this is happening, uh, Grant and Sally are reuniting. The kids are just going ham on dessert. And we're in the endgame now here. We've got Timmy and Lexi inside, eating all these cakes. They're loving it. Going hard. And uh, then all of a sudden, Lexi's quivering. She's got the jello on the spoon and she's fucking losing it because there's a velociraptor that's made its way into the visitor center. Yeah, there's this whole scene where they're like, they're fucking around with pots and pans, like hiding around the place. Lexi outsmarts one by like popping into this like little, like, almost like a kind of like a, like a dumbwaiter sort of thing. Yeah. And then causes like this very intelligent raptor to run into like like the mirrored section of like that's right. stained glass uh, appliance. Uh, Timmy, for some reason, can't move, and then, like, runs into the freezer, uh, this raptor follows him, he runs out and, like, kind of locks it in there, Yeah, they get out of there, it's this whole, like, sort of, like, rigmarole thing. Yeah, you know what this scene was to me? It was very Last of Us. Played through Last of Us? Yeah, the, the crawling around the thing. Well, no, yeah. where, where Ellie's in the kitchen, and the guy's trying to kill her, oh, and you're playing shit. as Ellie in that winter chapter. Oh, that spooked me out, dude. Oh, man, yeah, yeah it's very good. Mm. Fucking anyone who's played that game, that section where, like, Joel's... Spoilers, 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 spoilers. But you play as, like, Ellie, it's winter, and, like, you're in like, the very end of that section where she meets up with, like, the cannibal clan, and, like, she escapes. She's in the kitchen, and that guy's chasing her around, and you got to crawl around all the counters in the commercial kitchen, and then you got to get up behind this guy and fucking ice him. Fuck, that was good. Man, that and the fucking, like, the that basement of that hotel you go in. With oh, don't even fuck with me about that. I'm literally going to have to buy whatever console they want when Last of Us 2 comes out. I'm just going to have to. It was to. that good. It, Last of Us 1 was that good. Anyway, moving right along. It's very Last of Us, this kitchen scene mm. to me. It always reminds me of that. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a neat little scene, but, like, it's just kind of like, in terms of, like, uh, good fodder for our uh, podcast... There's not really much more to add into that. It's just kind no, of dinosaurs exactly. terrorizing it's a, children. It's, it's a great scene. Although, it's, hey, John Hammond like was correct. Like these attractions <laughs> drive these kids out of their minds because these kids are just screaming the whole time. That's true. No, I mean this great scene, iconic for a reason. Really good. 
dinosaurs, they open the doors, it's very suspenseful, like, can't really take the piss out of it. No. Good scene. Fancy. Next thing that happens, they reunite with Sattler and Grant, they get into the control room, the fucking Velociraptors are trying to get in, Grant and Sattler are holding the door closed, Lexi's on the computer, but it's a Unix system. And she knows this. And she's in there hacking away. Hack, hack, hacking away. How this film sets her up as a hacker is so funny. Yeah. Like, it just, like, like that one comment. Like, because, like, we didn't even get the sense that she's not into dinosaurs either. Like, as in, like, it sets them up as, like, there's this one kid that's super into dinosaurs and this other young girl that's, I guess, pretty into dinosaurs. Yeah. And that's fine. And then it's only after the whole thing with, like, the car falling through the tree that she's, like, oh, like, like, that Timmy's like, oh, you, you're a computer girl. And she's like, I'm a hacker. That's what I am. Yeah. And it's that's like, how you should define me from yeah. this point on and in the movie. And it's like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And then luckily, she, keeping in mind that Samuel L. Jackson was like struggling with this system. Oh, yeah. And then this fucking She's a child like, genius. teenager comes in and is like, I'm a hacker. Look, I know this system. Jackson, it's a Unix system. And she knows this. The way it displayed the files there, like like a sandbox map where you could move from file to file. Is that reminiscent of what it would remotely look like? Because it's bizarre. She's moving through these files... For the record, and... I'm just shaking my head. Yeah. <laughs> it's, she's, got, she's got the mouse, she's moving through the computer, and all the files... It's like are... a 3D rendering. Yeah, it's like a 3D yeah. rendering, and all the files are where they should be geographically yeah. to the map. Yeah, yeah, And she's like clicking... She's like, oh, here it is. Wait, no, wrong part of the map. Let me zoom over this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Like, But, like, this is this is the hacker. Yeah. So, like, so this is the thing, right? So, so like, okay, so she's a hacker. We've built that this is difficult Samuel L. Jackson couldn't get into it what it literally requires is her clicking on the thing that says visitor center and then clicking on the thing that says door controls and then turning on the thing that says lock like she literally just like scrolls through and is like oh this is the visitor center oh this is the door controls visitor center and then like security systems or whatever and just automatically does it and like at no point does she even use the keyboard no. It's all mouse, and yeah. I guess that's a, sp- a particular yeah. type of hacking. It's a unique system with a GUI, and uh, I have a problem with this, but we're not going to worry about that. Hacking, especially by child prodigies, very remakeable. Yeah, child prodigies, very remakeable. Everyone loves a... Yeah. So, they lock the doors, they call Hammond, tell him to get the helicopters, but it simply does not matter... Because the raptors are coming through the windows. So locking yeah, they the come doors, through the glass. Locking the doors was just completely irrelevant. Uh, so Sam Neill fires three shotgun shells through the windows, says, we've got to get in the ceiling. They get in the ceiling. He drops the shotgun. I guess he only brought three shells. Doesn't matter. They get up in the ceiling. Uh, they all climb in the ceiling because the raptors are coming through the windows. And then we get what is actually a very awesome scene where they're crawling through the ceiling above this fucking T-grid ceiling. And the raptors are, like, trying to get up in there. And, like, they poke their head up into the ceiling grid and, like, push the little girl up into the fucking thing. And, like, Sam Neill's kicking the raptor in the face. Yeah, here's the thing I didn't get about that. He kicks the raptor in the face, but, like, without grabbing her... Meaning that, like, he kicks the raptor in the face, it falls down, the panel falls out, and she nearly falls down to the raptor. Yeah. If it's, like, a much easier option would have been, like, grabbing her, pulling her, and then kicking the raptor. Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, this is, like, a high-pressure situation and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, like, he, he nearly killed that girl. His instincts and, were not right. Well, but here's the thing. It's established from the start that he does not like kids. Is this and, his way out? Well, there's a couple opportunities throughout the film... <laughs> Like of the electric fence, where he has the opportunity to kill both children. They survive, but through his action alone... Mm, they nearly die. Yeah. No, that's true. 
I mean, arguably, through John Hammond's action, they nearly die much worse. Yeah, that's true. But uh, that's okay. So, uh, they end up in the lobby of the visitor center. They're on that big dino statue. They fall off the big dino statue. They're standing around in the lobby. There's a velociraptor on the left. There's a velociraptor on the right. And, and then, then, you'd never believe it, a T-Rex teleports into the room. Yeah, just bursts through the fucking front door. Well, no, here's the thing. We don't see it burst through the front door. It's just there. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, it's just there. That's true. And it's like, one shot is all you need. It rushing through a door, like, breaking yeah. some shit, and then being there. That would have been great. Instead, it's kind of like, Raptor, Raptor, oh shit, what are we going to do? And then a T-Rex just bites one of them, and that's yeah. it. It's quite literally, like, it's just Deus Ex Machina. It's, yeah. It is... It is kind of crazy. Yeah, the T Rex and the Machine. That this film, which is a very good movie and an iconic film and like a remarkable genre creating film, just kind of ends in this really strange and convenient way. This T Rex has been trying to kill them the entire movie, but it literally shows up to save the day at the end. And that's why this T Rex is my final nominee for MVP. Nice. And I think that pretty much brings us to the end of the movie. The T-Rex saves them from the Velociraptors. They all get away. The film fucking resolves so quickly. It's just kind of like, hey, we're out. Uh, I won't spoil the park. Me neither. We're out of here. This great iconic movie is over, and it's time for us to talk about uh, MVPs. Yeah. So who have we got nominated? Let's recap. So from my memory, we've got Goofy VR Helmet Boy. We've got the lawyer who was killed, posthumously, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course. Uh, Purely for his death. Mm -hmm. We've got... Uh, I've nominated Wayne Knight as Dennis. Mm-hmm. You hate that idea. I hate that idea. We've got... Did we nominate Samuel L. Jackson at any point? I think we did for the... Uh, Hold on, on your butts. butts. Yeah, that's right. Which he says twice in the film as well. That's it's right. worth noting. Yeah. Like, that's, I guess, his character's catchphrase. It's just his catchphrase, yeah. yeah. Hold on your butts. Um, those four. And then the T-Rex. Sure oh, that Robert dude as well. Okay. Ro- Robert was in there as well. Oh, yeah. And, of course, Robert. Of course, we nominated him as well. And uh, I think Sadler, I think Laura Dern and Sadler did like a very good job. And yeah. I think it's worth considering her. No, I mean, I, I wrote her down as well for that scene with the ice cream, mm. talking about the flea circus. I thought she did a great job there. All right, so those are who we've got. We've got we've got Sattler, we've got Robert, we've got Dennis, we've got Mr. Arnold, we've got Goofy Helmet VR Boy, we've got the T-Rex, and we've got the lawyer, posthumously. <laughs> Seven nominees for MVP. Who do you like? I reckon... I probably lean towards Robert, to be honest. I mean, I like Dennis. Dennis is my MVP. I know I'm not going to be able to convince you on this. We're too far apart on Dennis. I think we can meet in the middle on Robert. What about top half Dennis, bottom half Robert? Like some sort of horrible creation Like type some thing. some kind of genetically engineered super beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That learned how to breed. And here we are, so worried about whether or not we could. We didn't stop to think about whether or not we should build uh, a strange <laughs> Dennis Robert hybrid and <laughs> that's it that's it that's it it's, 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 it's a Dennis Robert hybrid that's very good <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, how would you what would you give this film as like a remake ability rating Jacko well here's the thing like part of me is like I think this is still a very good film I think it's aged a little bit mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna like do you not touch this film because mm-hmm. it is so good mm-hmm. but then part of me is like dinosaurs are a lot of fun and oh, yeah. like it'd be such an easy premise to make a chunk of money on There's and so much room. potentially make a good film out of it as yeah. well I hope Jurassic World is good yeah so given that I am gonna give it 12 out of 15 stolen dinosaur embryos in a whipped cream can I'm gonna give this movie one and a half million out of two million lines of computer code debugged by hand. Nice. 
as a remake ability rating. <laughs> oh my god, all the computer stuff is just it's, so... It's extremely good, and it ages very well. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It ages yeah. like a fine wine. Like, well, it gets better every year when you rewatch this movie. More and more tarred. Um, um, there we are. Alright. I'm looking at some trivia for this movie. Okay, throw it at me. We hit on an idea earlier that was fascinating about the connection between Steven Spielberg and having a boner for academics as tough bad boys. Did you know Harrison Ford was offered and turned down the role of Dr. Alan Grant in this movie because he felt the part just wasn't right for him? That's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a little strange. I mean, he says he saw the film and, and says he made the right decision. So there you go. I guess he did a good job. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I guess you got to back yourself up, right? Like, why, why are you going to be like, yeah. hey, you know what? I fucked up. <laughs> I should have been that role. It was me, not Sam Neill. You know, like, the, the iconic, like, glasses of water on the dashboard scene? Mm-hmm. The way they vibrated those, rather than just having, like, someone shake them or something, they had a guitar string mounted to the dashboard of the car. And they vibrated it. And that's what vibrated the glasses. That just seems like a really strange way to go about creating that effect. <laughs> but, like, good for them, I guess. Yeah, like, like that's, that's cool. a pretty cool way to do it. Can to give you a it tech team something to do, I guess. It doesn't seem like the best way it's to like, do it. Enough going with the animatronic dinosaurs. Like, yeah. figure out these vibrations as well. We're not doing it by hand. Holy shit. Mm. Steven Spielberg oversaw the post-production of this film via video link while in Poland filming Schindler's List. He later called it one of the hardest times in his life as a filmmaker. The filming of the Holocaust-themed Schindler's List took such an emotional toll on him that his enthusiasm for Jurassic Park had almost waned. He said that he needed an hour per day to get into the right frame of mind and muster up the energy and patience to comment on digital dinosaurs and answer trivial questions from the special effects crew. So he's literally there, making Schindler's List, like, weeping into his hands, and someone's like, Hey, Steve, does this dinosaur look alright to you? And he's just like, I have seen the true face of man. I can't comment on your digital stegosaurus. (laughs) (laughs) Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network, and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chapel. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, at Curio Network and at SICurio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>